Hello, Real Life family and friends. Pastor Tim with you, starting um, our third week of 40 Days of Prayer and excited to continue to build on our understanding of what prayer is. Um, also, I want to encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to get connected to a life group, try to find a life group. You can come to the church and sign up or you can contact us or look online on our app and uh, find a group that works for you so we can connect with each other as well as connecting with God during these 40 days. So that's our goal, is to connect with God in prayer, to learn how to uh, join with God, hear from God, be impacted by God, not just uh, say, say prayers, say words, because prayer is so much more than just us asking God for things. Uh, prayer, as we're learning, is interaction with God. It's drawing near to God. It's being a part of His presence, like interacting with his presence. And so I hope that you're learning a lot from this, but more than that, I hope that you're doing it. I hope that you're practicing prayer. So one of the things that I'm challenging us to do is every week and every day to make out a prayer card for that week and every day that week pray through that list of requests. So that was our week one challenge. I hope that you're doing that. And uh, we're on day, what, 15 now of 40 days of prayer. And so I hope that you're developing that daily routine of praying. And then the second week, uh, we added to that the idea of talking to God throughout our day, realizing that prayer is interaction with God, that, that God is speaking to us too. And when we're, we're praying, we can't pray without God actually being a part of that as well. According to the Hebrew understanding of prayer, it's reflexive, which means it's something that's also happening to us. So prayer isn't just something that we are saying to God. Prayer is being with God, interacting with Him. And so uh, we need to listen as probably twice as much as we're talking. And so that was the last week's challenge is just throughout our day, be aware of God, interact with God, give Him um, space in our daily routine, problems that arise, uh, hurts or, or troubles or stress or whatever as it comes at us in real time to Turn that over to God to realize we don't have to just wait till a prayer time. We don't need to wait for a, a, a church service, but we can talk with God. We can give it to God. We can hear from God right now in real time, in real life situations, right? And so we're going to build on that today. So I want to do a quick review. First of all, our first memory verse that we started in this series was John, uh, James 4, 8. And it says, uh, come near to God and he'll come near to you. And I pray that you are doing that. As we turn to God, turn our attention to God, turn our attention away from the world, uh, as we resist the devil and flee from him and turn from evil and we turn towards God, God uh, closes the gap and he comes near to us. So I hope that you're doing that and uh, that you're growing. And then last week we talked about 1 Peter 3.12 and it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. That means God sees you and he hears you. God is watching you and he's listening to you. That God is not just near to you, but he is actually uh, incredibly interested in your day-to-day -day life. What's going on with you right now? He's watching. He's listening. And when you turn to him, he hears your prayers and he's near to us. And he wants to be involved in every part of our life. So we don't have to carry burdens. We don't have to carry stress. We don't have to carry um, worry. Uh, we can have him a part of our everyday, moment-by-moment life, and that's through prayer. 
as through prayer. So I hope that you're practicing that. And then here's three things that we've been developing. This right here on the board is uh, the Hebrew word, if you haven't seen it before, uh, and it's pronounced tefillah, and it means prayer. Tefillah, it means prayer. And here's a couple of definitions we've been developing in the first two weeks. First of all, it comes from a word tofel, which means to attach, bind, or join. And so through prayer, we get attached to God. We bond with God through prayer. We actually, His presence comes a, becomes a part of us. And when we pray a prayer of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, a miracle happens and our spirit's born again and we're reborn and we're rejoined with God. Hallelujah. That's called salvation. Eternity is secured. When we pray to God, when we call out to God, save me, save me, Jesus. I trust in you. I, I, did, I decide to declare that you are my Lord and my Savior. We are saved. We are reattached. We are uh, binded or bound to God. <laughs> Sorry. You know, and so that's the greatest miracle. But the second part of that is that also prayer also is the means by which we bind the will of heaven to the earth. Uh, earth is messed up. Earth is uh, running rogue, right, from God. There's brokenness. There's pain. There's evil. There's bondage. There's hurt. And so when we call out to God uh, through prayer, then the will of heaven can come and bind itself to the earth and can change and transform our situations and our world. And so that's why Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So prayer binds us to God. Prayer also binds the will of heaven to earth. Um, and then we also had this idea, I, didn't, I don't have the word up here today, but another word that comes from the same root letters is lahit palel, which means to pray, and it's reflexive, which means that there is an interaction between us and God. This is not just us doing something, but there is an interaction, there is a shared experience with God when we pray. So today I want to continue, and I want to uh, look at this word again and give you another way of defining it and looking at its meaning. Tefillah is made up of four Hebrew letters. And in the Hebrew language, each of these letters come from an ancient picture. And that picture represents meaning. This is how this language was created. What's significant about this is the Hebrew language really has three dimensions to it. Uh, our English language just has one. It's just words, letters, and it, they, just, they just form a word, and there's a meaning to that word. But in the Hebrew language, every letter has a meaning. The word has a meaning, and every letter is also uh, a number, and there's numbers that have significance. We're not going to look at all three layers today, but we are going to go and look at one more layer. Okay, we're going to look at two layers. We've already looked at the one layer of the entire word, but we're going to go back to the pictures of these letters and see if we can discover another meaning or understanding of what God is saying about prayer. So each of these letters goes through, and I'll give you the, the pictures. So the first picture of this letter here, uh, this letter is called Tav, and it comes from a picture of two sticks that are crossed, and I'm going to put down cross, but also I'm going to put down the word covenant. And it is the, a covenant um, symbol for us, especially as Christians, that the cross reminds us of the covenant of God. But it also, the, the actual symbol does mean covenant. Okay? And I want to talk about that for a minute. The old covenant in the 
in the Old Testament can be summarized by this phrase, I do. Right? There's an agreement with God. God says, if you do this, uh, here's, here's what God, I'm going to do, but here's what you need to do to make this agreement. We shook hands, so to speak, and we said, yes, we will do this. We will serve you, God. We will do what you say. So all the onus or pressure or responsibility was on us to do what we're supposed to do to live up to the covenant that God was making for us. So it can be summarized as I do, and I didn't do it, <laughs> and neither did you. We couldn't fulfill the law. That's the whole point of this, the, the old covenant was to show us that we can't do this. We can't live a righteous life. The Bible says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all failed. We all took a shot at the target and missed it. Okay. And so we need God to do what we can't do for ourselves. And so the new covenant can be summarized by this. Jesus did. Jesus did. Old covenant, I'm supposed to do. Couldn't do it. New covenant, Jesus did it for you and for me. And here's what the Bible says about covenant in Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. There's going to be a new covenant God was introducing. I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Do you see all the I wills? God is saying, I will, I will, I will, I will in this passage. There's going to be a new covenant I make with you because you have failed in the old covenant. And so, so now we have this huge system, sacrificial system that um, was initiated to temporarily patch over our sins every year, every day, every month. You know, there's sacrifices being made to temporarily uh, atone for or cover over our sin. But none of those sacrifices was a permanent solution to our condition because it wasn't um, another perfect human being paying the price that a human being needed to pay. It was just animals. It's not equivalent. And so we needed a perfect human being to be willing to sacrifice himself, right, for our debt that could only be paid by someone who had no sin. And so when did this new covenant begin? When did forgiveness of sins begin? Through Jesus, right? And so there's a new covenant. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to build this idea because at the end of this message, this is going to be a powerful revelation for you on how we can proclaim the promises of God over our lives. And so in Luke 22, verse 20, Jesus is having uh, his final meal, the Passover meal with his disciples. In a few hours, he will be betrayed. He will be led away, tried. And then in the early hours of the morning, he will be crucified and he will seal the new covenant by the shedding of his blood for you and for me. And this is what he said. He said, in the same way after the supper, Jesus took the cup and he said this, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus was telling his disciples that the Passover no longer was representing a lamb. But now from this moment on, the Passover was going to represent him as the lamb of God. 
It wasn't going to be the blood of a lamb or animals anymore. It was going to be his blood. And this is what the prophet Jeremiah was predicting would come. Uh, the Lord was saying through the prophet Jeremiah was about to happen right in front of their eyes. Jesus himself became the Lamb of God who shed his blood for you and for me to set us free from sin once and for all, to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us of all wickedness. This is the turning point of human history. This is when the new covenant began. So when we're talking about prayer and we're talking about that this right here represents covenant, this is a big deal. Today's message is entitled, Proclaiming the Promises of God. This is one of the definitions or one of the meanings we're going to see today from this word tefillah, that prayer is actually proclaiming the promises of God. And those promises are what we refer to as the new covenant. This is what Paul said in Philippians 3.12. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The covenant, the new covenant represents for you and for me a new life, a life filled with the promises of God that we can be redeemed and restored into his image, that we can be healed we can not just be forgiven, but we can be healed. We can be delivered. We can be transformed back into the image of God. One promise at a time. The covenant here represents all the God's promises that were paid for at the cross through Jesus' blood for you and for me. His beating, his rejection, his blood that was shed, all the ways he bled, all the things he went through, all of that was to pay for our sicknesses, our diseases, our hurts, our, our rejection, our, uh, uh, our life, all of it. And in the new covenant, it's all summarized by all of the promises of God are now accessible to you and to me through faith in Jesus and what he did for you and for me. I hope this is coming across to you. The process of redemption and restoration is made possible through Jesus, and we don't just get saved and live a miserable life. God wants to save you, heal you, restore you, set you free, and live an abundant life, right? Jesus said this in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Have abundant life, an overflowing life. I came to set you free. I came to fill you up. I came to transform you. And we come to that place through prayer, through accessing the promises of God, the covenant of God. This is so cool. All right. Now, the next letter, pay, this is the letter pay, represents mouth. It's a picture of a mouth. And I believe that in particular in this uh um, understanding, it represents speaking, right? And so prayer is speaking. It's speaking the promises of God. This is really cool. I just love this kind of stuff. When I start to see these kinds of things in Hebrew, it just blows me away that prayer is speaking the covenant promises of God. And so um, the, the Bible, God's word is meant to be spoken, uh, God said this to Joshua in Joshua 1.9 when Joshua was taking over the leadership of the Israel, uh, Israelite nation from Moses. 
And he says, do not let this book of the law or the words of God depart from your mouth. Did you hear that? Do not let the words of God or the book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, you keep speaking the words of God. Keep speaking the words of God. In addition to that, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then you will have an abundant life, Jesus would say. So when we speak the words of God, the promises of God through prayer, and we meditate and we allow God's words and truths to transform our thinking so that we begin to live it out, we do everything that's written in there, we actually obey God's word, not because we have to, but because it is the process of being transformed and experiencing the full life that God made possible for us. So as we speak it, we meditate, it changes our thinking, we then live differently, we will be prosperous and successful. All right? So prayer is proclaiming the promises of God. And it's doing it so that there's a transformation that takes place that affects our life, our attitudes, our behaviors, and so that we begin to be transformed. One of the things I want to share with you about this covenant is that God paid for you to have an abundant life. But it doesn't happen, you know, automatically. It happens as Paul said, I'm straining forward. I'm striving forward to take hold for which Christ took hold of me. I want more life. I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. I still got some problems. I still got some issues, but I'm still accessing. I'm still reaching forward. I'm still proclaiming those promises. I'm still pulling the will of heaven down into earth, into my life. This is prayer. It's prayer. It's not just talking to God for everything you want. It's laying hold of the promises of God and proclaiming them and living them out. And then it changes our lives. Amen. I hope you're catching this. This is really exciting if you get this down. So our memory verse for this week is kind of in alignment of this area right here. We're at 2 Corinthians 1.20. I know we've had this memory verse before. So if you've been around for a while, you probably remember this verse because I use it often. And this is how it goes. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises of God that God has made, they are yes in Christ, in the cross. They're already accomplished for you and for me. And so through him, through Jesus, the amen... I agree the amen is spoken by us for the glory of God. So do you see, Jesus has already paid for all of the promises of God to be fulfilled in your life. That's what this verse is saying. They're all yes in Christ. But now we need to say amen. I agree. We need to see the word of God. We need to proclaim the word of God. And we need to get our heart to the place where we actually believe it and say Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you that I am free from condemnation because your word says you paid for all my sins. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that there is no condemnation over me in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you that by your stripes I am healed. I believe it. Yes, Lord. I receive it. And we pray it out. We speak it out. And that's what prayer is doing. It's proclaiming the promises of God by faith. It's agreeing with what Christ has done is actually accomplished for you and for me. And we say it. And we say amen to it, and it results in the glory of God because it changes our lives. The glory of God is a, is a life being transformed. You know, God, God doesn't need um, attention for himself. He, he wants to uh, show off in you. And when your life is 
set free, when, you're, when you are healed, that brings glory to God, right? Jesus says, uh, let your light shine in such a way that others see your good deeds and they glorify your Father in heaven. When your life begins to reflect the image of Christ in the earth, that brings glory to God. When we get a hold of this and we begin to lay hold of more of the promises that God has for our lives and we are transformed, it brings glory to God. <laughs> awesome. So now I want to go on a little tangent, which I hope that uh, I don't get, get you confused on this because this stuff just excites me so much. As I've studied the Bible, and I've talked about Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 before, I want to remind you of a couple of things. If you've heard this before, just enjoy hearing it again. But i got a, a couple of things I want to share with you about this. In the beginning, the Bible says in John 1, 1 to 3, this is really almost like a variation of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. But John says this, In the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word. Jesus is the Word. Okay? And the Word was with God. So Jesus was with God. And the Word was God. So Jesus is also God. So this is a mystery. We have Jesus with God, but Jesus is God. And this is part of the explanation that's impossible to explain, right? There's a trinity. God is trinity. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we see all three of the facets or aspects of God in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. We see this. I'll show you in a minute. But anyway, back to John. And it says, He was, the word Jesus, was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. So through the word, all things were made. He goes on to say it this way, Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. That's just another way of saying the same thing. Through Christ, through the Word of God, everything was made. Now, pause for a second. Prayer, speaking out the Word of God, the promises of God over your life, helps create the reality of those promises. Because the Word, the Word is the promises of God. And they're based on what Christ has done, who is the Word of God. And when we speak with the breath that God has given us, which is His breath, and we speak His Word that is according to His will, do you see? It activates the, uh, the, the changes and the transformation of the will of heaven coming to the earth. So all things were created through the Word. So as we are made in the image of God, God is given us the same opportunity to take His breath, which He used to create everything, to speak His Word, which is the agency through which all things were created, in you and in me. And then it's activated through the Holy Spirit. It's energized by the Holy Spirit. Man, this stuff just blows me away. This is not just us saying words, wishing something will happen. What I'm talking about is using God's breath, speaking God's Word, not your Word, not your wishes, God's Word, God's promises, according to His will. That's what I'm saying. And it will activate and change uh, our realities. Man, so amazing. So the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. I've studied this verse, many, many hours worth of studying in the Hebrew of this first verse. And one of the things that, that we don't see in this translation, by the way, there's 
one, two, three, four, four. There's ten words there in English. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, there's only seven words. And there's two of the words in Hebrew that aren't even translated. And it's the same word twice. And uh, it's spelled um, Aleph Tav. It's the first letter of the al al alphabet or alphabet, and it's the last letter of the alphabet. And my contention is, in my studies, that it represents Jesus, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the Aleph and the Tav. And here's what's amazing in the scriptures. If I was to give you a different translation of that verse, uh, with Christ in mind and with the olive top representing Jesus, it might go something like this. In the beginning, God created the word, olive top, the heavens, and the earth. And I believe that this is in alignment with the other scriptures in the Bible, this interpretation. Because Paul, for instance, said this in Colossians 1.15. Listen to this carefully. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Paul is looking at Genesis 1-1 through the eyes of understanding the Hebrew language and through this interpretation. And he's saying that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Of all creation. Before the earth was born, before the heavens were created, the word was created. Jesus was there. That's what Paul is saying. And so, in the beginning, God created, there was the Word, the Word, then the heavens, then the earth, and through the Word, all things were created, the heavens and the earth. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I'm just trying to elevate the importance that you and I need to speak the Word of God, because that's the created power that God has given to us. That's how all things have been created. If you want to see anything created in your life that's new, that's of God, you need to speak it out. You need to use the breath that God's given you and speak God's words and that are according to His will, and you'll see it happen. That's what this is meaning, tefillah. The, the covenant promises of God accessed through the cross of Jesus Christ, and us speaking activates those things. So finally, a couple more things real quick. This next letter, Lamed, is um, a picture of a shepherd's staff, and it can represent teaching. Uh, it can also represent authority, okay? Because the shepherd's staff was a symbol of the shepherd's authority, right? And so we're going to use this word authority. Now, what gives us authority is that we are not speaking in prayer our own wants, our own desires, our own opinion, but we are speaking according to the covenant promises of God. And the authority that we are doing this in, Jesus taught us, is in His name. In His name. Now, when the Bible talks about, and Jesus is talking about this idea about in my name, He's saying in my character, through my identity as the Son of God, the creator of the universe, through faith in me, I am the authority that makes this possible. Not because I'm such a good Christian or you're such a good Christian. Not because I have so much faith or something. No, no, no. Our authority does not come through anything that we create of ourselves. From being a good Christian, from you know, doing all these right things or something, or going to church or praying so much. 
No, no, no. Our authority comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. So we pray in his name, with his breath, according to his, his word. That's the authority that makes this happen. And so this is what Isaiah 55, 11, the prophet says. God is speaking through the prophet and he says, So is my word which goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So when God speaks, his word goes out and it works. It does something. It does what God wants it to do. It changes things. It creates things, right? It, it achieves the purpose for which God sent it. We are made in God's image. And now through Jesus, God has given us the opportunity to speak life or death and to have our word, which is his word, actually achieve a purpose. Prayer. This is why prayer is so powerful. Ephesians 1, 20 to 21 says, And Jesus was seated at God's right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. There is no higher authority than Jesus' name, than Jesus himself. He's seated far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And so Jesus says to his disciples, and he says to you and to me in John 14, 14, listen to this. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Wow. Now, when he says, you can ask for anything in my name, I'm just saying that it is his authority, his breath, but it does need to be in his name, in accordance with his will, in accordance with his promises. Okay, do you understand that? It's not just, I'm wishing for a new car, and I'm, I want uh, this, this raise, and, I'm, and I'll take this too. That, that's, maybe that's in God's will, I don't know, but that's not what we're really talking about here. Jesus is talking about his promises. When you are praying in his name, you're also praying in his character, according to his will. So when we pray in his name, with his breath, according to his will, Jesus says, I'm going to do it. I am going to do it. You are the vessel God has chosen to establish God's will on the earth. God's will, not your will. His will, his ways, his word, not your, your will, right? So the more we become like Jesus, the more our will matches God's will. Sometimes our will doesn't match God's will. Sometimes we have pride or we have hurt or we have um, um, insecurities, fears, things like that, that manipulate our will, right? That, that taint our will and it's just a little bit off. Maybe it's not actually a prayer that is according to God's will. And, you know, not only are those prayers not answered, but we don't want them answered, honestly. But when we are in alignment with God's will, and the more we become like Christ, the more alignment we have, and we speak with God's breath according to his will, it happens. God's will is established on the earth. Wow, power of prayer. And so prayer is not just demanding or asking God for something. It is about being in alignment and in agreement with the covenant promises of God. And your prayers will be much more effective the more you become in alignment and in agreement with God's word, God's promises, right? So we need God's word. We need to open up God's word and we need to learn and grow to learn what God's will actually is and become like Christ so our prayers are more effective. Finally, this last one is hey, and this represents 
grace. It represents grace. For me, grace is the activity of the Holy Spirit. It is how the Word of God is activated upon. It's the agent. It's the energy that creates the whole process. And so grace is not earned. Grace is received. And grace is freely received through faith in Jesus in the Word. And so uh, this really represents the activity of the Holy Spirit. And this is kind of how I would summarize today's meaning of tefillah. When we look at the pictures, this is called a pictographic meaning of the word. We're going all the way back to the ancient pictures of these letters and seeing if we can see some meaning here. And I believe we see some powerful meaning. And we might be able to summarize it like this. Prayer is um, like the covenant promises, speaking the covenant promises with authority releases the grace of God or the activity of God. Isn't that awesome? Speaking, speaking with God's breath, the promises of God, the covenant promises of God in Jesus' name releases the grace of God, the activity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has something to work with when you speak out the word of God. Right? In the beginning, the Holy Spirit says the Spirit of the Lord was hovering, hovering. And it, and, it, and it appears that God speaks, and now the Word is Jesus, and the Word goes forth, and then the Spirit energizes that Word and begins to create. And that's how it is with you and me. As we, by faith, pray, as we speak out the words of God, which is Jesus, according to God's will, which comes from the Father, we have the will of God expressed in the Word of God, now energized by the Spirit of God. I just thought of that. Let me just say that again if I can remember what I just said. This is so cool. We had the will of God expressed through the Word of God and energized by the Spirit of God. And that's how God wants to utilize your life as well. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the mobile home of, and carrier of God's presence on the earth. And it is through prayer that God wants to change this world. It's so awesome. Do you see? And so we need the scriptures. Now, I want to finish by just drawing your attention to some of the notes. If you're watching this online, which obviously you are, um, if you go to our app, you'll see the notes for this message. At the end of uh, the notes, there's a section called 10 Great Promises to Proclaim. Because today's message and your action point is this, is to begin to proclaim God's promises over your life, over situations. But you've got to open the Bible, you've got to find out what those promises are, so you have uh, something to proclaim. And I just gave you ten of my, some of my favorites. One is for healing, prosperity, children, our children, wisdom, provision, righteousness, rest, prayer, that you're never alone, eternal life. Look at these promises, begin to incorporate these promises into your prayers, and proclaim God's word. Did you know some scholars say there are over 6,000 promises of God for you and for me? Wow! You, I, I just really believe this. You can't fully um, experience the life God has for you without learning and studying and proclaiming the promises of God of your life. It's not something you have to do. It's something you need to do. If you want life, if you want freedom, if you want health and wholeness. And so now we have a daily prayer list that we're praying. And we have a moment-by-moment 
a challenge to involve God in our daily routines, in our moment-by-moment -moment life. And now I'm asking for you to add the scriptures, add the word of God to our prayer and begin to proclaim God's truths. Proclaim God's truths over your life. As we close this message, as I always do, I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus Christ. If it's in your desire right now, in your heart, to surrender your life to Jesus, pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you became the Lamb of God, that you shed your blood so that I could be forgiven for all of my sins once and for all, and I could be reunited with God. Today, I place my faith in you, Jesus, in what you did at the cross, and the fact that you were resurrected from the dead, proving that you are the Son of God. My faith is in you, and I thank you that you love me. You've made me to be with you forever. Now I'm all yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and teach me how to proclaim these promises over my life to experience the transformation that we've been talking about here today in this video. Jesus, I need you. I love you. Help me. Help me to be all that you've called me to be in your name. Amen. Amen. just want to clarify the challenge again. Begin to get into the Word of God and begin to proclaim God's promises over your life. As, uh, as we wrap this up, let me pray God's blessing on you and your family again today, okay? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace in His name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.